Welcome back to the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast for episode number 208. I'm Andrea Samadhi, author and educator from Toronto, Canada, now in Arizona, and today's guest ties in perfectly to what we've been talking about on this podcast the past few months. Before I introduce him, I have to mention that he contacted me through LinkedIn and asked if I was looking for podcast guests, and I'm always searching for new people and have a running list But our topic is so specific, tied to the most current brain research to help us to improve our productivity and results. So it does help me when someone who's an expert in the field reaches out to me. If you recall our last episode with Greg Link, who partnered and worked with the late Dr. Stephen Covey with the seven habits of highly effective people, mentioned how many of the principles that they use for success over the years took some time before they were accepted in the corporate world let alone the K-12 school market. So when I came across someone who's an expert or even known as the chief results officer, I wanna know who they are and what they've studied and how exactly they're getting these high level of results that most of us want, but they take such hard work to achieve. While researching our next guest, Blaine Ulkers, a lifetime entrepreneur, a graduate of Purdue University and Stanford University's entrepreneurship program, I learned that he's coached thousands of people with what he calls their personal implementation plan or their PIPs, elevating his clients to higher levels of productivity and results with what he calls U2.0. And that's exactly what I was looking for. It's rare for someone to teach these success principles without having studied with one of the greats or at least for a period of time. So I always look to see where their love of self-improvement began. I'll be sure to ask Blaine this question, but it became clear to me that he has a sound knowledge of the most influential success books when I saw that he's taught the book that we covered to launch our year with, Think and Grow Rich. And he has some tips to help us to be more effective while studying this book, along with some lost passages. At this point in my research, I'm beyond curious how he knows this top secret information and wonder if it has to do with the fact that he shared the stage with American author and entrepreneur Jim Rohn. I suppose we'll all have to find out in the interview. Let's meet Blaine Ulkers and see if we can all kick our productivity up a notch and uncover where he learned the secrets of success from. Welcome, Blaine. Thank you so much for reaching out to me. And I've got to just say, did you notice that it took me like three seconds to write back to you that you are a perfect fit for our podcast? Uh, You know, Andrea, thank you for having me. You do now hold the record for the fastest response. Uh, And so I I have a lot of people that I'm connected with on LinkedIn. And so uh, LinkedIn, I did a search like who has podcasts. And then I, I have a little piece of software that that can kind of message people. But anyway, yes, you hold the record for yeah. uh, get, getting back as as uh, as quickly as possible. And I think it's kind of fun, uh, you know, for you and I and your listeners because it is such a a, a good match. We and we don't even live that far away from each other. So yeah. this is going to be a, a great time today. 
Oh, awesome. I love, I love like beating records and stuff. I'm really competitive. So if I know ah, I beat a record. Well, excellent. So I opened the year with a six part series on Think and Grow Rich after studying this book for the past three years with Paul Martinelli. And I have to say that when you teach something, you study it so very different differently. Um, and I didn't even finish reading it until I had to explain it to others. So I wonder what did you uncover that 99% of people miss every time they read Think and Grow Rich? And I have okay. some guesses, but what did you what did you uncover? All right. So this is um, this is the love affair that I have with this book. And, and people talk about um, moments of dawning comprehension where where this thing happens and it kind of changes your life forever. And so I've been lucky that like early on, I've always been like a seeker, seeker of knowledge. How can I get better? You know, how can I improve? But when I was in college, uh, I was at, at Purdue University in the 80s. I will date myself. Um, I saw this little ad for an audio cassette. Some people don't even know what an audio cassette tape is, but it's a little tape that plays in a little Sony Walkman. But anyway, I, I sent away for this tape which was actually a pretty famous guy, uh, Earl Nightingale, reading a condensed version of the book, Think and Grow Rich. And so this, this changed my life. I, I still have the book. It, it's oh, it's wow. kind of frail here, but, but this wow. is the book I got in the 80s. And, and this, uh, uh, this really you know, kind of changed my life. And the way it changed my life was that it's called Think and Grow Rich. And it's about the fact that that you know your thoughts, you could take your thoughts in like a systematic structured way. You could take your thoughts and turn them into reality, like turn them into something in the physical world. Uh, I, later, I came up with a saying called white table, what you think about, you bring about. So it's kind of like the law of attraction with action. Uh, and I know we both like Bob Proctor and he always was big about the secret and the law of attraction, but he was big about the action part too. So white table, what you think about, you bring about. And so I started to have some success by using that and as success in relationships. So, so Think and Grow Rich, it can be about finances. He does talk about that, but it can be about so much more. And he talks about harmonious relationships and your health and all these different things that you can basically think and then grow in that area. And so I was having a lot of success and I had enough success and I had read the book maybe by this time 15 times or so. And I had enough success that I went and I bought this book. And so this book here is one of the original, uh, one of the original five thousand uh, uh, copies. And so when you when you open it up, uh, you know there's nothing about other things being published. So so I, I got this book. Can you break I it up a little bit? I only saw half of it. Like, oh wow, yeah. okay. Okay, so 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 it's, so it's a little bit different. But the big thing was that when I opened it up, the very first page says, "What do you want most?" And I said to myself, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, wait. I never read that. I never read that. It was like these, the first two pages were the instructional pages. They're not in here. And then that, that's what I realized that most people, 99% of the people that I've spoken with read the wrong version. They didn't even read the right version of the book. Now I can talk about the, what those two instruction pages said to do. At the time, my business was worth about two hundred fifty to three hundred thousand dollars, and I wanted to own a million dollar business, a business that was worth a million dollars. And I had a plan. Thinking Grow Rich taught me how to build a plan. I built a plan, and I thought it would take me, I don't know, maybe four or five years to get there. Uh, and but within five to six months of following those instructions on those first two pages. Uh, I had the million dollar business. And when the way that my business grew so dramatically, when that happened, when that idea walked in the door, I, I was on that, all over that idea um, because of 
basically the, the those two instructional pages, which we can unpack if you'd like to. Uh, and, and so that what I also realized as I read the original version, I said, now, wait a second. The, there's a lot of like all capitalization. So like Napoleon Hill, he's like shouting these things. And so when I went and looked at my other version, I'm like, wait, that's not in here. And then there was passages that were different. Um, there was mentions of different things. Like oh, he, he mentions Jesus and, and other things. Like I'm going, wait, wait, I never read that in the book I read. I, I, you know, I'm a Christian. I would have remembered that, but it wasn't, it wasn't in that book. So it turns out that that the book, when it was reprinted, wasn't reprinted the right way. And then in 1960, he made some updates to the book, made it a little more politically correct and, and changed a few things. So for me, reading that original book was key. And I, and I was getting my copies and sharing it with other people. And I wrote a little guidebook about it. And then I was unable to get the original version. So I had to go back and luckily it was in the public domain. The very original copy was in the public domain. I was able to go get that and republish it. Uh, so I have, I have Think and Grow Rich, the book study edition. Uh, and, and so happy to send you a copy of that, by the way, if you'd like, but, but that, that, you know, cause I couldn't get it anyplace else. Mm. Um, so I think there is a difference in reading that, that, that original book and those two instructional pages. The first one is what do you want most before you start to read the book? You need to get laser focused on what you want very specifically in great detail. Um, and that was kind of instruction number one. Uh, and, and he did talk about that somewhat in the book. But then instruction number two, the second page was about how to read the book and that it wasn't a novel, that it was a textbook. You should read no more than one chapter a day, but you had to read it with other people. Now, it sounds like you might have done a book study recently as well, but you had to read it with other people. And it was in the community. Um, you know, in the community and the unity with other people that the greatest progress towards your, I call it your bring about statement, the thing you're trying to bring about uh, would happen. And that's what happened, you know, for me is in discussing what I was trying to accomplish with other people. That's when the ideas came. And it was actually through a merger that I was able to grow my company, you know, really rapidly. So, so anyway, that that's kind of uh, uh, the story. Now I've read it. I, I'm getting close to maybe 70 times reading the book. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's one of my favorite books and it has a strange power uh, or frequency or vibration, you know, um, that it affects me, you know, physically when I read it, I, I just feel better. And I'm sure neurologically, some brain chemicals are, are, uh, are very excited when, when I pick up the book and, and read it. Well, this just blows me away, Blaine, because when I was doing the book study this year, this January, I was using the version that the second version you held up, and I actually never got past subconscious mind because with Bob, we studied that so deeply. Whenever I got to that chapter, I just was like, ah, I, I know this and never went further. I didn't know about the chapter on the brain. And then what shocked me the most was the version that I had had the new chapters that weren't in the original one that I had to email one of my friends that taught Think and Grow Rich. And he said that that came from his a book that his wife wouldn't let him release on outwitting the devil or something. Right. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's another version of, well, that was an, another manuscript that was hidden for a lot of years, you know, um, and Napoleon Hill was afraid to release it. His wife didn't want him to release it. So he never did. But later, later it did, it did come out. Uh, and so that's, yes, that, that's, that's kind of a different work, but yes. 
Right. So there's just so much I had no idea. I thought, what is this lost passage? And and when you explained that how you read it, because I always wondered, what is the secret that Hill says will stand out to you? And every chapter mentions it, right? And we would ask Bob, like, what's the secret? And think and grow rich, just tell us so we can hurry up and move on with our lives and get all the things we want. And and he would say, I'm not telling you, or you won't, you'll, you'll uh, not read the book, and then you'll stop looking for it. So I almost had a feeling that the secret was how we read the book. You can't just flip through it, but I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you think well, is the secret? Well, all right. So, so I, I have a little master class, and the very first thing I do is is tell you what the secret is. Uh, but but anyway, the secret is whatever the mind can conceive and believe, it can achieve. Now that that you, we many people have heard Napoleon Hill say that, but he also then the the next sentence is as long as it doesn't violate the laws of God, nature, or man. So so he had a little kind of uh, phrase on the end of it. But uh, if I were to, you know, summarize the book in, in three words, it, it's that it's it's conceive, believe, achieve. And so the, you know, um, when, when I'm talking with my kids or, or, or people like, and they say, well, what is the most important thing you want people to know? And, and I want people, one of the top four things is to know the power of their mind. Um, and, and that is true that if you can conceive something and then believe it, and, and the book shows you how to build your faith and, and how to kind of build your belief in it, uh, then you can achieve it. But then, like Bob says, there's that action component, right? What you think about, you bring about. So you have to begin the action. Now, you don't have to know all the answers, but you need to have an initial plan, an initial conceiving of what you want, and then believing an, an initial plan, and then take action on the plan. And then as you go, things will be revealed to you. And that's kind of a little bit of what the book would like you to do is, is to kind of take this bring about statement and bring it to each chapter. And, and it does kind of the skill set kind of builds upon itself as you move forward. Uh, and and I, I like to say, you know, start with small things, you know, and, and then build up from there. And you, you could have some kind of big uh, like chief aim in life, uh, you know, something like that. But but also, you know, th these Waitaba muscles, what you think about, you bring up, work them a little bit, you know, like the gym, start small, right? You know, so you might say, oh, I'm thirsty, right? Okay, so you have a thought you're thirsty. Well, then you take a drink of water, right? So I just did that. That's that's the think and grow rich principle right there. That's the Waitaba. So then you might say a new movie comes out. You'd like to go see that. Okay, you, you, you conceive you want to do it. You believe you can. And now, you put a little plan. Who do I want to see the movie with? When do I want to go? Put it on my calendar. And there again, you you made that thought, you know, turn into a reality. Well, then you start to do it with kind of bigger and bigger things uh, and bigger and bigger goals for your health, for your life, maybe for your business. Um, and and you find that uh, you 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 can do that, uh, you know. And that and that's the, the the secret though for him was was the power of the mind. He called it the master key uh, to, to riches. Was this idea, this concept that the most powerful thing you have is the mind, and whatever you can conceive and believe, you can achieve. Oh, I love it, and I love how you created your uh, your acronym of Whiteheba. Because when I was emailing you first, I'm writing down, I'm like, what? what's his email address? It's Blaine at what? What is this? And right. then when I got to know your work and, you know, what you think about, you bring about Waiteba, it just flows. And then now I, I saw your email on my desk. I'm like, well, that makes complete sense now why your email is Blaine at Waiteba.com. Is that right? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a funny word, and it it sounds like a circus tiger name or something, Maiteba, but it's um it's unique. Uh, yeah, and and so that's kind of what I've been drawn to. You know, help people. I, I like to say I like to help people take control of their lives by taking control of themselves, and and a lot of that is is thought based, right? You know, what you think about, you bring about, good or bad, or if you neglect it, you know, then you're kind of subjected to whatever thoughts you know, uh, other people put in your mind or, or that you're just kind of around. Uh, so, so that's probably one of the biggest things you can do to turn your life around is, is, is to start to take control of your thoughts. Yeah. Um, and I love how the first or these lost passages were all about building that crystal clear vision of what you want. That when I was first teaching that first beginning chapter, that was very obvious that you have to be crystal clear. What have you found to be the most important for helping others to remember how to do this? Because you've got to be really clear about what it is that you want, right? Not just a mere hope or a wish. Uh, yeah. And there, there's a couple components to that. So, so he says, you know, like, what do you want most? So, so there's this idea of like, what do you want most? Like there's a priority, right? And a lot of times people have um, everybody has to some degree conflicting priorities, right? So I want to build this big business, but I also want a, a deep relationship with someone or I want a family, you know, and you can have these conflicting priorities. And so Napoleon Hill is asking you for now, for right now to come up with what do you want most? What do you have this kind of the white heat of burning desire for? Uh, and then whatever that thing is, get really, really clear so that your mind and, and probably the universe and other people could help you, right? If you get really clear and very specific about what that thing is, uh, then then not only can your mind help you, but then other people can start to help you too. And that, that gets into trying to you know, use the community or the mastermind principle to, to make it happen. So how do you get crystal clear about what you want? So, so clarity is, is really king here. And so when you think about it, you, sometimes you just have to try it on, right? So you say, oh, this is what I want most. Okay, great. And then I'll say, well, let's get up 30 minutes early tomorrow and work on that for 30 minutes. And, you know, and then if you don't get up for 30, if, if you're not that inspired to get up 30 minutes earlier, you, then it's probably not the right thing. Like you don't have the desire, right? It, it, the, the ambition, the desire for it. And if you don't, that's hard to fix. So you might have to find something else or you have to try to build that desire if you think it's the thing that you really want. So, so testing it out, putting it on, testing it out and, and, and see there are exercises you could do. Uh, you know, different exercises you can do to try to figure some of that out, right? Some people will use, I, I like a birthday. Some people will do, ask you to think about your eulogy, which uh, seems a little dark to me. So I, I say birthday. I used to say your 100th birthday. Now I say your 120th birthday, because now with all the advances in science, uh, you, you know, so let's say you're 120, you still got the lean muscle mass, you're looking good, you have all your faculties, you know, and you're at this 120th birthday party for you, and people are getting up. And what are they saying? What have you done? How have you impacted their lives? What kind of business did you build? Or, you know, what, what were your, you know, different works that, that you did? Uh, and how did you affect family, friends, community, the world, right? And so you, you kind of experience that. Uh, and, and a lot of times that helps people to say, hey, this is what's important. And this is where I feel, uh, you know, I can contribute. Um, another exercise, if you own a business, is to say, let's say five years from now or, or some period of time, the Wall Street Journal is going to write an article about you. What would the headline of that article be? 
right? You know, and then if you want, you could bullet point the story. Some people actually even write the story. So beginning to kind of visualize, uh, you, you know, that thing out, out in the future. Another exercise, if you want like to remove, um, if you want to really find out, like if there were no restrictions, a lot of times people say, hey, if you knew you couldn't fail, what would you do? Um, you can do what I call the Powerball test. Have you, have you heard of the Powerball lottery? Yeah, so it's a big one, right? So let's say it's a $500 million lottery and you win it and you're the only winner. So you got to pay taxes, right? But then you are going to celebrate crazy. Like there's no tomorrow. You're going to travel the world, buy the castles you want to buy. You're going to do all that stuff. And, and you do that for a year and you celebrate and you set up all family and friends and trust funds, all that stuff. You, you get it all taken care of. And it's a year later. Now it's a year later and you still got a couple hundred thousand, a couple hundred million dollars in the bank and you wake up uh, one year later and what are you going to do? And when I do this exercise, uh, you know, in, in large groups, you know, more than 90% of the people end up saying, well, Blaine, I would help people blank. Now the blank is different for everybody, but they would say, I would help people blank and getting into that space of what would you do if you had all those resources and you already did all the things you wanted to accomplish, um, you know, in, in life, what would you do? And, and in the, the cool thing about it is that in the end, people based on their life experiences, they would say, I would help people something. And that that's what they would do. And so you can start taking that and putting some of that helping in your life right away. You'll start to feel good about that. But then you can incorporate that into your bring about statement and you'll find a power in that. So my wife and I are always saying, hey, does that pass the Powerball test? Like for me with self-fluence, you know, if I win the Powerball this weekend, I would still come and do this podcast because I want to help people take control of their lives by taking control of themselves. And, and I would do that. Like, that's why I think I'm here on the planet. Um, so when you find that stuff, you can find a lot of drive and a lot of, you know, uh, energy uh, to, to, to move in that direction. So there's a couple of exercises there, but yes, getting clear, writing it out. I'm a big fan of mind dumping where you kind of, you know, uh, push away the world, get some alone time and, and really get stuff out of your head on the paper is, is very helpful. Wow. Well, I can see why you're called the chief results officer, Blaine, because you gave us so many different ways and exercises to get clear on our vision. Like I was thinking of all these ideas and, and ways that I can firm up my vision, just, you know, double checking. Um, you know, would I yeah. would I still do what I'm doing if if I won the Powerball? I've never played any sort of lottery or bought any lottery ticket, but if I did and won, would I still do this? So right. lots of lots of really good ideas there. Now, when I watched your your TED talk, that's when for me it just sealed everything that you're talking about. All these principles and practices you showed where the neuroscience comes in. So how has neuroscience proven that what we think about we bring about? Yeah, a, a great question. And so many people in in the in the TEDx talk that I did, many people have heard about this reticular activating system or the RAS. Uh, you know, and basically, you know, neuroscience is is proving, and now we can measure. Uh, you know, we can measure the movement of thoughts and things the, the way that they can scan the brain now is, is remarkable. Um, and so they've identified a small piece of the brain in the back of the head that is kind of like the executive secretary and decides, you know, what information should I pass over to the conscious mind? And so, for example, there's so many things going on in your 
in our bodies and around us right now. We all kinds of sounds, uh, you, you know, there's some, you know, you're not thinking about every heartbeat or every breath you're taking, you know, and, and all these, these different things are happening. And we would go insane if, if all that noise was coming through everything your eyes seeing everything you're hearing and, and and everything you're feeling and all that stuff so what happens is there's a decision box there a piece of the brain that decides what goes into the conscious mind uh, and so this is something that you know napoleon hill talked about uh programming that subconscious mind using auto suggestion and getting the brain to start to work for you um, but but neuroscience has has shown that there is that piece of the brain that decides what what gets through. Uh, and a lot of it is based on your current thoughts. You know, uh, there's a great saying, you know, neurons that, that, that fire together, wire together. Uh, and, and so your brain is building, you know, networks of information, but, but in deciding that RAS kind of decides what does it let get through? And I, I give an example, which most people can relate to is, you know, if you buy a new car, my, my son got a new car, it was a maroon Acura, you know, TL or something like that. But, but when he said that, you know, for the next couple of weeks, I saw that car all over Phoenix. Now the cars were always there. <laughs> it wasn't like someone put all those cars there all, all of a sudden for me to see, but it was because now my RAS was saying, this is the information that's top of mind. This is what you, you, you've asked to see. Now you're gonna see it all over the place. Um, and so it's the same thing that you can decide what it is that, that you, you're looking for. And then your brain is trying to help you get there. Right? So the neuroscience is, is, is proving that the brain is there to, to, help, uh, to help you get there. When, and going back to the story of my business, what had happened was I was in a room and somebody talked about needing to having to sell their business. And my RAS picked up on that. And I was like, well, we'll sell business. You know, I, I want to grow my business and, and grow through merger. Uh, when I was doing the mastermind with other people, they were saying, well, that's the fastest way you could grow. Instead of just kind of building yourself, merge with another company. And so when I heard that someone wanted to sell, I just locked in on that. My Raz woke up, locked me in on that. I went over. It took a couple of months, but but we we made that happen, and that that created uh, you know that million dollar business for for me. The other interesting thing is that neuroscience, the study of the brain, uh, is getting more and more defined and detailed. And I think the biggest thing in my lifetime that's changed from when I was younger, there was this thought that the brain was fixed. The amount of brain cells was fixed. The size of your brain after a certain age was fixed. Um, and, they, and, and you had kind of ended up with this fixed mindset. Well, that's shifted now. And neuroscience has proven that you're, you, you can grow your mind, that it's more plastic, that that's you know, uh, flexible. And, and you can not only create new pathways for things, but you can also grow the size of your brain. I love a study. Um, uh, my wife and I went to London. We, we got to go in one of these Black London cabs. They're very famous, uh, the London cabbies. But they're famous because they're really good cab drivers. And they're really good because they have to pass this thing called the knowledge test. And so London is, is not laid out like Phoenix in a nice grid form. It's like crazy uh, to, to know how to get from point A to point B. Uh, and only one out of five people 
uh, that take the test, only one out of five attempts at the test are successful. So it's a really, really hard test, um, but, they're, but they're, they're really, really good. So what one um, uh, university, neuroscience university in England did is they studied the detailed brain scans of these cab drivers and noticed that the hippocampus, or the part of the brain that's responsible for maps and spatial stuff and, and memory and all that was dramatically larger than the than the rest of the population and it was a, a landmark study because it kind of proved that you could grow your brain right that through use you could grow your brain and what i realized in like practicality was that my neurons are firing all the time and again neurons that fire together wire together and so if i'm surrounding myself with good positive inputs um, I, I, I tend to go in that direction where the opposite is also true. If I'm around negative things or negative inputs or even have negative self, self-talk, I call it head trash. I've got to take out the head trash every day. But if I'm around that, then that grows, right? So again, what you think about, you bring about, but it's important to try to control that because physically stuff is happening. You, you think things and that's creating chemical reactions in the brain, which is now being studied and, and kind of, uh, you know, the, the truth about it all is starting to come out. And I think we're going to see a lot more powerful uh, things come about because of that research. So I'm, I'm excited about where we are, but, but also where we're going. Oh, definitely. So if we could tie this now as well to our beliefs, so and how um, beliefs and habits are formed, because we've covered that topic a lot on the podcast. So what about your experience of working with corporations or leaders over the past few decades? How have things changed with this understanding of bringing neuroscience into, you know, forming beliefs and habits and improving productivity and results in the workplace? Yeah, yeah. I, I think the biggest thing um, the biggest thing is that the that in the corporate world they're realizing this concept of kind of the fixed mindset or the growth mindset, and now they're actually trying to hire people. They're trying to do interview questions and things to figure out who has the growth mindset, who believes in possibilities, growth, moving forward, and then who has a more of the fixed mindset. It can't change, uh, you know, and and I'm stuck where I'm at. Uh, neuroscience is showing that that's not the case, and even if you have kind of the fixed mindset that you can move yourself into the growth mindset. But what's happening is now people are realizing, you know, the ability to take control, right? That, that's what I, what, I, what, I, what I talk about is this concept of self-fluence, the power you already have, you know, to control yourself or to influence yourself. And so in the area of, I mean, we could talk about habits or we could talk about productivity, but in both, what, what I'm finding as, as chief results officer, uh, it's like a, a title. I, was, I always help, liked help people, helping people get results. Right. And people started yeah. calling me chief results officer. So there's a number of mastermind groups where I run the results side. Like my job is to make sure people get results every single week. So I put them in small groups. And we have this thing called a personal implementation plan. So each week you have a, you know, you're celebrating your wins, but you're also figuring out again, kind of like thinking you're rich, getting crystal clear, like what's the top item or few items for me to get done in the next week. And then I'm going to reward myself if I get them done. And then I'm gonna have some kind of a leverage or maybe a penalty if I don't, if I don't get them done. Uh, and, and so what's happening is a lot of people are, 
are in, in corporations too are looking at, hey, how do we have the daily huddle to make sure that we're programming our neurology, you know, correctly. So they have the daily huddles. They also have weekly meetings now, again, to focus in on what is going right and where they want to go. Now, you have to stop and, and uh, you know, debrief problems and come up with solutions and things are going to break and bad things are going to happen. But it's your reaction to those things that matter. So I see a lot of structures being put in place in corporations, um, you know, to, to kind of uh, make sure that 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 you are moving forward and make sure that things are measured um, and, and make sure that you're kind of taking advantage of this neuroscience, uh, you know, to build better people, which is going to end up building better companies. Uh, I've also found that um, people inherently have the power. They're just not using the power. And so that's the biggest thing for self-fluence is, is that like, if you know, I, I say people are, are really good at, at time management and I have something called the 30 minute hour where you get an hour's worth of stuff done in 30 minutes and people already know how to do it. And then I also have something on um, habits because we are all creatures of habits, something called the 21 second habit, which is how to create a new habit in 21 seconds, not 21 days. So if they, if they told you it takes 21 days, they lied to you. I'm sorry about that. But, but anyway, so, but both of those things, and we can unpack those if you'd like, that both of those, you already know how to do it. Now it's just kind of remembering and then mastering it. So I saw, I saw the 21 habits and 21 seconds. And, and I was really intrigued by that because a lot of us know, like there's things that we know we're supposed to do, but it takes a long time to form the habits for some people. Like I know some people that are, have been trying to eat healthy since the whole time I've known them, like 20 years. Like that's that, what are you working on? Well, I'm, I'm working on eating healthy. And, and I heard you on a podcast, you were interviewing this guy and he was talking about how he wanted to eat a piece of chocolate, but he was going to eat something healthy first and then put the chocolate second. And I was thinking, well, if you if you want to eat healthy, there's got to be no chocolate like the chocolate's got to go for like a certain a period of time. So I was just thinking, like, for people that are stuck in certain habit loops and trying to work on something and they're never getting it or maybe they get it for a certain amount of time. How do you how would you break someone's like? healthy eating in 21 seconds what would you have them do okay so so there's two there's two kind of separate things here so one is new habit creation so that's like that's something you can do in 21 seconds not 21 days and then there's there's bad habit elimination so bad habit elimination and, and creating new habits are, are a little bit separate. Um, and, and so if you're looking at like, how do I break a bad habit? You know, then that, that, that bad habit elimination, one, you know, there's a couple of basics there. The first one is like getting really clear. And this goes back to thinking grow rich again, getting really clear, like, why do you want to break that habit? Right. So, so let's say you're eating bad food, unhealthy food. Like, why do you not want to eat that? you know, why, why do you want to eat healthy food? Why do you want to eat healthy? So you got to dig in and you might say, well, because uh, I, I want to be there for my grandkids or my kids, or, or, you know, there, there's something, you know, I want to live a healthy life. You have to, you have to get to that why, and then you have to emotionalize. Uh, and thinking where Rich talks about this, the power is in the emotions behind that. Uh, I, I remember my, my wife's uh, dad, my, my father-in-law, he, I watched him for years, try to quit smoking couldn't do it. Maybe a day, two days, three days, back to smoking. And then one day he quit cold turkey, 
never smoked again and, uh, you know, and, and lived, you know, probably 15, 20 years without smoking. Uh, and, and so what happened was his why was big enough. And, and my wife, Beth said, you know, uh, dad, you know, if you're smoking, you can't be around Bo, who's our son. You can't be around the grandkids. And that was enough. That was it. That, that, that why was big enough. <laughs> and, and, and that was it. He never smoked again. So, so the why is, is, is key to start with. Um, but then the next part is that you need to have a substitute habit. You need to fill the void with something else, right? So if you were going to stop eating unhealthy food, you'd have to pick some healthy food, whether it's, it's fruits, nuts, you know, something that's easy and they can have very low resistance, but you need a substitute habit, uh, you, you know, uh, in there. And, and so, and then the third part is to remove any kind of like cues or triggers for that habit loop, right? And so typically you might try to think about them, but, but you're going to discover them the moment you break the moment you you kind of break your chain of, of not doing that habit and you go back to the old hat. So the minute that you have the chocolate bar, something cued the chocolate bar, right? And so it, it could be proximity, you know, the chocolate bars in the house, uh, you know, it could be stress, it could be, but, but then if it's stress, like, why did you, you know, what, what, what did you need? And, and what, what, what substitute habit could you put in there? Could you go exercise instead or, or something like that? Um, and, and so, so those are the big three in bad habit elimination. And then there are other things because so, proximity out of sight, out of mind, that is so true, right? So when I wanted to give up bad foods, like potato chips and stuff like that, soda, we just removed it from the home. So now uh, maybe I have a potato chip around a party or something, but they're not around the house. So 90% of the time I'm not eating it. So out of sight, out of mind. So there's techniques you can use to begin to kind of distance yourself from that. Uh, other tips, association with other people who are trying to remove that habit, then your, your compliance goes way up. So if I'm in a group, Facebook group, uh, you know, a, a text thread, any kind of group with a bunch of people that want to eat healthy, that's going to rub off on me. That's going to be good. So there are these other, you know, things like that, that, um, that you can do. The other big thing is if you can find ways to surf the urge, like you're going to have an urge for the chocolate bar, but it's going to be like a wave. It's going to crest and it's going to be, oh, I really want, but if you can hold out just a little bit, some little trick to kind of get past that, you know, then, then you, you, you gain more control as the wave comes down. So for me, like I, I like intermittent fasting to maintain my uh, figure. Um, and so there's sometimes where like at 10 a.m. So, so I'm trying to fast. Maybe I'm only eating from like noon to seven every day, right? But around 10, I might get real hungry. Well, if I go brush my teeth with this real minty toothpaste, then I take the Listerine and swoosh it all around. I don't feel like eating after that. So that's my little, that's how I surf that wave. So there's a number of techniques there, but that's, but the, the basic is deep emotional why, you know, then come up with a substitute, remove the cues and triggers that th those are probably the, the basic three. And then, and then those other, other things could, can help as well. Does that make sense? Oh, it really does. And it all builds resilience, right? That's what I'm thinking. Every time you're able to surf the urge and go past it, you're building stronger neural pathways, stronger resilience, mental toughness, like it's really good for you. Yeah. And the self-confidence that comes from that. Uh, and there's something about the three to four day mark 
that you don't want to break the chain. There's a famous thing about don't break the chain and people get a calendar and put a big X each day that they you know, either don't do the bad habit or do the good habit, but you don't want to break that chain. And so I'm, uh, yeah, I love consistency now. And, and I have developed some of these, you know, very long chains that, that I don't want to break. Um, one of them was, I like the Peloton bike. Actually, I bought it for my wife, but I've ridden it every day since it came. Even I, I wrote it, uh, I, I had COVID and, and, I, and I wrote it the day, every day, like I didn't mistake, even when I had COVID. Now I had been uh, vaccinated and it was a mild case, but still I, I got on that bike and, and I haven't missed it. Even when I travel, uh, sometimes it's at the hotel or, or there's a way, way to do it on a stationary bike. But, but anyway, creating that, yes, it gives you, it gives you that sense uh, of power. Now the, the flip side uh, of the bad habit elimination is, is creating new habits. And so do we have time to kind of unpack that? Oh, definitely. Cause I was okay. thinking of that, even when you were talking, is, is this going to include habit stacking? Like how to stack? That, that's it. Habit? I was, I thought that's a natural progression of what's next. Yeah. And, and that's it. So I, I call it habit linking, but, but the, the key is that the way you create a new habit in 21 seconds or basically instantly is that you, you, you uh, link it to a habit that you're already a habit master at. So when I introduce this to people, I say, look, there's like, I'm not bad. I've been, I've been trying to eat healthy and I can't do it. Or I've been trying to do it, make a little to-do list of what the most important thing to do is. And I can't do it. And I said, well, let's first start with this, this premise that you're a habit master. And let me ask you a question. Do you brush your teeth? Uh, You you know, so I'll ask you, you know, Andrea, do, do you brush your teeth? I do. Yes. Okay. And, and then how often are, are you twice a day or are you, are you once a day or, or, or how sure, many times time I eat usually like three times a day, at least three times a day. All right. So when's the last day that you went without brushing your teeth at all? Never. Cause you got to oh. brush your teeth in the morning. Right. I right. Mean, right. So, so even like camping or whatever, you're still, you bring the portable toothbrush. Okay. You are a habit master as most people are in brushing your teeth. Uh, and, and so um, my wife, the way that I kind of discovered this was my wife had, used to have, you know, knock on wood, she doesn't have any more, used to have migraine headaches, headaches almost daily. And she had to fill out this log to track, you know, when they came on, what was the, you know, what was the weather like, what foods did she have? And she would lose the log. She couldn't do it for more than a couple of days. Then she'd have another migraine. I'd ask her about the log that I learned not to do that. Uh, but, but what happened was one time we realized, we said, look, let's take the log and let's put your toothbrush and the toothpaste on top of it. Every time you brush your teeth, because she's at least twice a day, you fill out the log while you brush your teeth. And she went from, couldn't do it for a couple of days, losing it to doing it like 90 days in a row, right? 90 days in a row. And then that helped the doctors figure out what to do and what the next steps were. And and, and she doesn't have those headaches anymore. Uh, I, I had a thing where there were these two things that I wanted to do every day. One, I had a Bible app, but then I wanted to take a mind shower. Now, most people will take a physical shower every day, but I realized that my mind was getting dirty every day. And so I wanted to take, you know, a 10 minute mind shower. And I use an app called Headspace, but, uh, but it's a meditation that just kind of walks you through, you know, you know, calming and clearing out the, the, the trash uh, in your mind. And so I, I start to think, okay, what do I do every day? What could I habit link? So you want to habit link to things that you're already habit master at. And I realized that this device, this phone, right? This phone is something that I would uh, open up every single day. 
without fail. Uh, and so what I did is I moved all the apps off the front page and I just put those two apps on, on the page. And so in the morning, I always open my phone first thing. And now when I open my phone, I have to do those two things before I'm allowed to touch any other buttons on the phone. So I have it linked it to that. And so as of this morning, I'm at like 1,468 days in a row that and it's documented inside there, which is kind of cool uh, of doing those every single day. Now, if I'm in a big rush, maybe I only do a three minute mind shower instead of a 10, but I, I always have time, you know, to, to do that. Uh, and, and so that was key. And, and the other, so, so this idea of the 21 second habit is linking it to something you're already a habit master at. And then if you, if there is an urge there that you can serve, like I have this urge to want to check the news and check text messages from my kids and, you know, check if any orders came in, you know, just all these things that I normally get very excited about to see in the morning, but I surf the urge to get that new habit solidified. Now, now after so many days, they, actually, the science shows after about 60 days, you know, that new habit does take root neurologically. And now you can kind of use that to link to, uh, you know, link on to, to something else. But if you think about it, there's things you do multiple times a day, like brushing your teeth. There's things you do once a day, like the first time you open your phone or the first cup of coffee in the morning um, that you can link to. There's things that happen day, uh, weekly. There's things that happen monthly. There's things that only happen once a year in your life that again, you could link if, you know, whatever the cadence of that new habit is, you can link you know, to that. Uh, again, I say, you know, start small, start simple, just do one. Um, but you're going to see, <clears throat> you know, that there's a tremendous power, even if you were failing before, that you link it to that habit that you're already a master at. And I like to say win early and win often. You, you need to be winning most of the time. And if you're losing, then neurologically, you want to make it smaller and smaller and smaller until you win. So like if somebody was eating bad food and they say, I can't do it, I can't do it. And then I'd say, well, how about this? How about we just look at how many hours in a row could you go without eating bad food and say, and I'm going to start, let, let's start the clock at, at uh, whenever you stop eating at night. <laughs> so if you stopped eating at 8 PM and you made it till 8 AM, you just did 12 hours. Right. But then we, then we start to push it, you know, after that, you know, and, uh, but, but you want to nano size the goal because you want to win, you want to win early and you want to win often. And there's like, I think there's some magic ratios about winning and losing. Um, I, I coached my kids in tennis and I realized that in tennis, it was about 70%. So if you were winning 70% of the time, that was good. If you're winning more than you're winning like 90% of the time or 95% of the time, my kids weren't learning anything. They were just, you know, you know, just beating other opponents and they're not learning anything. But the opposite, if they were losing more than 30% of the time, 40 or 50% of the time, then they get down on themselves and they would be like, I don't think I want to do tennis, dad. Right. So you had to keep the magic ratio uh, there. And it's the same thing for you. You you're going to figure that out, but, but it's, you know, the chemicals that are released when you win, when you get something done, they make you feel good and they're designed to keep you in action to keep you going. Uh, and so I think that it's important to kind of win early, win often. And if you're not winning, chunk it down till you start winning and then bring it back out. Uh, and, and that's probably one of the biggest kind of results uh, hacks that I've that I've discovered in the last decade or so. This is so very helpful, Blaine. So when you were talking about uh, getting rid of negative thoughts and taking a brain shower, that's an app. Do you have any other strategies for just, you know, your like when when early, when often? What if you're not winning? How do you clear your head 
on a day-to-day basis without using an app? Like what? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, uh, it, it, it's tough. Like, like people are, you know, can struggle with, with, you know, negativity. I call it head trash. And the head trash, you know, and what you're saying to yourself and how you say it to yourself and your confidence and maybe you're feeling, you know, imposter syndrome and all these, these different things. Mentally, it's tough. It's tough. And, and I've gone through periods, um, you know, where I really had to change the inputs. And, and that's where I would ask people to start is that you have to change the things that are inputting into your brain um, in, in, a, in as many ways as possible. Now, now for me, when the head trash comes on uh, uh, early on, I would need a very, I, I, I say uh, the solution to pollution is dilution, right? So the solution to pollution is dilution. So if I had, you know, you know, if I had an hour of, of, of pity and, and, and bad self-talk and doubt and all that stuff, I would need, you know, five or 10 hours of positive stuff. I'd have to pour in the positive to dilute down that negative, right? And so how do you pour in the positive? Um, you know, one way is listen to podcasts like this. This is a very high frequency, you know, you know, things you could do to improve podcasts. Also listening to mentors, listening to Bob Proctor's, uh, Napoleon Hill's, uh, Jim Rohn is, is my number one mentor. Have you, have you ever heard of Jim Rohn? Of course. When okay. I was researching you, for sure, that's where I, I realized when you shared the stage with Jim Rohn, I thought this is where you probably learned some of these tips about the missing passages. I thought I imagined you sitting at a table with him and him pointing out all the these missing passages. Yeah, Jim, I learned more from Jim in like a little five minute span. Uh, uh, you know, I was able to host him at an event once. And um, and yeah, he, he, he changed my life. He changed the philosophy you know, that, that, that brought a lot of um, results, you know, for, for me. Uh, but anyway, you've got to, you know, pour in, you know, take control of the inputs as best you can and put in the, th- the stuff that you want. Now, the, also, you know, reading, reading books that make you, you know, that raise your, your vibration, raise your, your attitude, um, listening to music, right? All these personal lifters, you need to start to make a list so that you have kind of a, I call it a, a head trash toolkit, um, you know, hack your head trash toolkit. But, but, you know, there's music I can put on that, that, that I use music to modulate myself, meaning like if I'm all amped up and I'm nervous, you know, I, I can have music that, that calms me down, right? Um, if I'm doing deep focus work, I have music that can do that that there. But if I'm feeling down, I need more energy. I can put on some 80s music that, you know, takes me right right back up. So you begin to learn how to influence yourself um, through all those things. So it can be foods that you eat, right? Or I, I see food as fuel. Um, and I know if I put the wrong fuel in there, you know, I, I'm in trouble. But, but the fuel, the people you're hanging around, right? There's that influence factor. Who are you hanging around? Now, some people you can't choose, maybe some family and maybe even some friends, you can't choose, but you can choose them, but you can choose how long you're around them, but you can also choose who you're around. And I'm not just talking physically, I'm talking about like Jim Rohn, he's passed on, but I can be with him every day through his audio programs, right? I can be with him every day by thinking, uh, Napoleon Hill talked about invisible counselors where you kind of picture that person in your mind. Um, you know, and, and have a conversation with them. But there are ways through audio, video, um, you know, to be, to surround yourself with, with that stuff 
that uh, it, it's going to feed you and, and, and make you better uh, and, and make you more of the person that you want to be. So I think the big thing is taking control of those inputs. Um, you know, gratitude is a big, big one in there as well. Uh, your achievements, like knowing what are what are your greatest moments. Um, one exercise we do in, in workshops is we have everybody close their eyes and think of one of the greatest moments in their life and relive it. And the whole energy of the room, the whole feeling of the room changes. And your, your physiology, your brain chemistry will literally change when you do that. Now, a lot of people, it could be a marriage. It could be a birth of a child. It could be some big accomplishment, you know, um, winning something big or some big promotion, you know, or a big aha moment, um, you know, whatever the case may be. But, but reliving that and all the senses, bringing all the senses in, into it. So you can build this, this toolkit. And what happens is it's hard in the beginning. It's hard. And like I said before, it might have taken me 10 hours of positive inputs to, to go against the one hour. And now maybe I'm down to 50-50. Maybe, you know, it's one hour, you know, and, and I only need one hour of good stuff. And, and you could get down to where you're able to kind of change that state, uh, you know, more, more quickly. But you have to kind of control the inputs. I think that's the big thing to, uh, to hacking your head trash. A couple of other things, two other big things that have worked well uh, for me, one is to try, well, the, the, both of these things shift your mind to work for you instead of against you, right? And so one is, have you ever heard of uh, Noah St. John? Have you ever heard of his work? No. Okay. So Noah St. John, he wrote The Secret Code of Success, and he's um, famous for coming up with something called affirmations. Now, now, now affirmations are good. Affirmations are like, uh, you know, uh, I eat healthy, I eat healthy, I eat healthy. And if you say it long enough, the razz will pick it up and it will become part of your life. But initially when you say, I am healthy, I eat healthy, I eat healthy, I eat healthy, your brain says, no, you don't, no, you don't, no, you don't. And so you're stuck in a little bit of a cycle. And so what he discovered actually in the shower, uh, in an aha moment, uh, was that if he turned it into a question and he a form of affirmations, he formed it into a question that then your brain would work for you, not against you. So what he would say is that that's your desire is to eat healthy. He would say that you would say the affirmation would be, why do I find it so easy to eat healthy? Why do I find it so easy to eat healthy? Because then you pause for your brain to give you some answers, and then you take action on those answers, right? So in my case, because you threw out all the junk food, because you learned about intermittent fasting, because you surround yourself with healthy people, you know, because you decided to exercise, you know, um, because you decided to learn about how, you know, certain foods can really trash your body, you know, what you, you come up with those reasons, and you begin to move in that direction. Um, you know, of, of those reasons. Does, does that make sense? Completely does. Absolutely. So, so again, now it can be, you know, why do I find it so easy to love so-and-so if you're having trouble with that person? You know, why do I find it so easy to, you know, attract the right people? Why do I find it so easy to create a successful business? And, and your brain starts to give you uh, those things. The other thing that I use a lot, uh, even on myself, to switch the brain very quickly, um, you know, is this, I, I call it, yeah, butting, yeah, but, yeah, but. And so if I'll say, you know, um, to myself, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm going to eat this piece of chocolate, you know, yeah, but, you know, uh, yeah, but here, and that kind of switches your brain to say, yeah, but here's all the reasons why you shouldn't, or yeah, but then I'm going to exercise, 
for 30 minutes to burn off those calories, right? Whatever that that thing is, whatever that that bad thing that's that's happening, or that you're thinking about yourself, right? Like I always, uh, you know, I I find it hard to control my eating. Yeah, but. So now your brain is trying to say, yeah, but you're learning about it. Yeah, but you're surrounding yourself with the right people. Yeah, but you 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 subscribe to podcasts that are about healthy eating. You know, so you 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 kind of give yourself you acknowledge that thought, that negative thought in yourself, but then you yeah, but it to make sure that the positive side kind of gets equal billing. And you're framing the positive in your brain to what you think about, you bring about. That's that's what you're doing. You're essentially like putting a highlight around it. So exactly focused on it, which goes back to the RAS and the filter and why Napoleon Hill wanted us to be crystal clear with our vision. It all kind of ties everything all in together because what we think about, we bring about. Exactly. Exactly. And that, uh, you know, and that has served me well. It's not always easy. You know, it's not always easy and you're going to face difficult times, you know, but but it also you begin to realize that, you know, it's not what happens that determines your life future. It's what you do about what happens. And that was a big that's one of the big things Jim Rohn taught me. And I realized there's this gap here between stimulus and response, you know, that that other animals don't have that we have. And, and it's in that response. That's what determines where you end up, not not what happens. We all have good stuff and bad stuff and hard stuff and easy stuff and good breaks and bad breaks, but it's what you do about those things that, that makes all the difference. And that that's comforting to know that you have a choice and that you can direct that choice. Now, if that life can slow you down, it definitely life can hit you and hit you hard. Uh, and we all can think about that time where life has hit us really hard, um, you know, but it's in that moment too, that usually something good, if you're if you look for it, something good will come out of it, or you're going to learn something, or you know, uh, you know, some good is going to come out of it. There, there's there's the silver lining if you're willing to look for it. it, it it's there, and 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 you can grow from it, no matter how how bad it is. It's always there, definitely. Well, is there anything that you think I've missed? I think we've got like this incredible thread of information that you kind of led us from, you know, Napoleon Hill to what we think about, we bring about to our RAS, to habits, to cleaning our mind. I feel like you've really tied it all in, but is there something that we haven't talked about? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. For this episode, we, we have a lot of stuff that we packed in there. And um, the only thing I would say is to make sure, you know, actionize this somehow, you know, actionize it. Maybe listen to the podcast again, but 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 pick something to actionize. Don't make it too big. Make sure you, you can win at it. Maybe you want to add a mind shower. Maybe you want a new habit. Maybe you want to, you know, start to read Think and Grow Rich again. Uh, but, but take some action, actionize it in some way. Uh, and, and start down that path to a better you. And I, and I think that there's enough suggestions here, here for for everybody, uh, you know, for that. And I want to thank you for, you know, having me on and for kind of being a light of, you know, neuroscience meets practicality. And I think this format that you've chosen to create interviews like this and then put them on the internet, that that's really cool and that you are I think you're 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 affecting even lives not yet born. There's somebody who's not even born yet right now when we're recording this that will be able to experience this. So you're touching not only lives here, but you're touching lives out in the future. And uh, and I applaud you for that, and, and hope you'll you'll keep doing that. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Blaine. I learned so much in such the, uh, sh such a short period of time. So for people who want to learn more about you, is the best place uh, BlaineTedx.com where your TEDx is? Uh, yeah, that's the simplest thing, Blaine, B-L-A-I-N-E, TEDx, T-E-D-X.com. And uh, you can opt in there. You'll get my, my TEDx talk that I talked about, Waitaba. You'll get a transcript of it, and then we'll be connected. So if you had questions for me or you're interested interested in anything else, um, you know, you'll, you'll get to, to meet me and, and learn about me through there. And, and I do want to serve you, uh, you know, and uh, I'm hopeful that, that I can help you get some results and, uh, and, and be part of your story uh, some, someday. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you so much for the hard work you're doing in this field. You are definitely getting results. And I'm going to go back and listen to this. When I edit, I, I get a chance to listen on a deeper level and ponder like my mentor Greg Link told me to do. But I get a, a different opportunity. So I know there's a lot that you mentioned today that I'm going to take action on. So I want to thank you so much for today and all that you're doing for the world. Oh, thank you. It was an honor to be here. And, uh, and you know, I, I like to say the bad news is time flies. The good news, you're the pilot. So pi pilot a good week here coming up. Absolutely. Thanks so much. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episodes. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com.